All right. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to be with you this morning for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is uh, Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. And uh, let's see, anything else? Well, there went the internet, <laughs> right at nine o'clock, like clockwork. I've talked to our service provider about this because it makes no sense. Why nine o'clock? What is happening at nine o'clock every, uh, you know, not every day, but many days. It'll eventually improve. Um, so apologies for that. If I get a little stuttery, hopefully you can hear me just fine. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Today is also the feast day of St. Mary Magdalene, so we'll recognize her as well in our prayers. Good. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. Our psalm is Psalm 119, beginning in verse 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield, I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore I love your commandments, above gold, above fine gold. Therefore I consider all your precepts to be right, I hate every false way. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. <clears throat> Alright, our first reading today is from Romans chapter 13, continuing there in verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. There ends the reading. And our reading for uh, catechesis today is from Acts chapter 23, beginning in verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. Now, there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. They came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great oath that we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. Now you, therefore, together with the council, suggest to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow, as though you are going to make further inquiries concerning him. But we are ready to kill him before he comes near. So, when Paul's sister's son heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Take this young man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. When the commander took him by the hand, went aside and asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow, as though you were going to inquire more fully about him. But do not yield to them, for more than forty of them lie in wait for him, men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him, and now they are ready, waiting for the promise from you. So, the commander let the young man depart and commanded him, Tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. And he called for two centurions, saying, Prepare two hundred soldiers, seventy horsemen, and two hundred spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night, and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. He wrote a letter in the following manner, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. Coming with the troops, I rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And when I wanted to know the reason they accused him, I brought him before their council. I found out that he was accused concerning questions of their law, but had nothing charged against him deserving of death or chains. And when it was told me that the Jews lay in wait for the man, I sent him immediately to you, and also commanded his accusers to to state before you the charges against him. Farewell. Then the soldiers, as they were commanded, brought Paul and um, brought him by night to Antipatris. And the next day, they left the horsemen to go on with him and returned to the barracks. When they came to Caesarea and had delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. 
And when the governor had read it, he asked what province he was from. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear from you uh, when your accusers also have come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. All right, there ends the reading. Let's do some questions and answers. Uh, what happened the next night? Remember, um, he was rescued by the Romans. Now, the next night, the Lord stood by Paul. And what did the Lord tell Paul? See that here in verse 11. Yeah, that he would, Paul would testify of Jesus in Rome as he had in Jerusalem. All right, then we hear uh, a backstory, right? What oath did some of the Jews make? That they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. Uh, when had this happened previously? Well, maybe you remember, or maybe not. It's worth a review. Uh, back in Acts chapter 9, perhaps you remember now. Now, uh, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Uh, this is where he was preaching in uh, to Ananias in Damascus, right? Uh, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. The disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall uh, in a large basket. All right? So, uh, Paul's got a death warrant out against him, I suppose. What is interesting about uh, the word for vow, right, that they had banded together under an oath or a vow, it's the verbal form of the word anathema. Anathema, which you maybe you've heard that used in, in a church context. It's, it was used by the Roman Church in regards to uh, the Lutheran reformers <laughs> uh, at the Council of Trent. Um, but it literally means that they were cursing Paul and bound themselves to carry out that curse. That's what they what they had done here. Yeah, a great oath. Um, there's an Old Testament background to this, and uh, we can find it in Deuteronomy. So. Uh, a couple places, actually. So let's look at a few of those. Deuteronomy 13, for example. If you hear someone in one of your cities, which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently. If it, and if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it, all that is in it, and all the livestock with the edge of the sword. And you shall gather all its plunder uh, into the middle of the street and completely burn with fire the city and all its plunder for the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand, but the Lord may, that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy have compassion on you and multiply you, just as he swore to your fathers. Because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God, to keep all his commandments, which I command you today, to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. All right. Um, then it's repeated, or something similar is repeated in Deuteronomy 20. Again, referring uh, to a city uh, who rejects the Lord, right? Or a group of people, we might say a tribe. But of the cities of the peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you, lest, here's the key, they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord 
your God. All right. Um, so the people had been taught to anathematize, that's the verbal form, right? Um, that is to carry out a curse of death upon the unbelievers uh, to prevent the people from following the gods of the land, right? Now, we don't uh, kill those who uh, disbelieve in God, right? We don't have that command from God today under the new covenant. Um, but we have frequent repetition from Paul, Peter, uh, from the book of Hebrews and, and elsewhere to actually cast out those from the congregation who are teaching falsely, right, or who are living contrary to God's word, um, lest they carry along others in that same transgression, in that same sin, right, mislead people by their false teaching um, or by their false way of life, right? So it's very similar um, to what we today call, um, well, we used to call excommunication. Um, what do we call it today? Uh, termination of membership, something, who knows. All right, notice also they're not eating and drinking. Um, this should remind you of, again, back in Acts 9, um, that Paul did not eat or drink for three days until he had been baptized. All right, so eating and drinking connected to an oath. How many were involved in this conspiracy to kill Paul? Tells you there in verse 13, right? Yeah, 40, 40, more than 40. And they revealed their intention to the chief priests and elders because they need co-conspirators, right? Uh, so the request is that these chief priests and elders uh, call together a council and suggest the commander that he be brought tomorrow uh, for further inquiry while the conspirators lay in wait uh, to kill him. That's what we call an ambush, right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting here, a note. Who heard about the plan and revealed it to Paul? Yeah, Paul's sister's son. Paul's sister's son. And what did uh, Paul then ask of the centurion? Yeah, that uh, he had someone come to him that would take then his nephew uh, to, to the commander. And then the young man revealed privately to the commander that, again, more than 40 Jews lie in wait to kill Paul if he's taken to the council um, the next day. Now, if you remember over the last couple of days, um, this commander is is treading lightly because of having learned that Paul is a Roman citizen. Um, that affords Paul a special privilege, right? Um, especially if he hasn't transgressed Roman law, just uh, Jewish law. All right, so the um, the commander sends, what does he do? He sends the young man to do what? Well, he doesn't tell, he sends him to do nothing, right? Tell no one uh, what you have told me, right? Tell no one. It's right there in verse 22. Um, now, to summarize, what uh, preparations does the commander make? Right, he calls for two, more, two centurions, right, to prepare, two, this is quite incredible, 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen, to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night, so before daybreak, uh, and provide mounts for Paul to be set on, and take him to Felix the governor. So um, he's not taking he's not taking any chances here. There's suitable precautions to protect Paul. Um, and now we find out the uh, commander's name. His name is, as revealed in his letter, Claudius Lysias, right? And then we have Felix, right, the governor. Uh, we know actually quite a bit about Felix from the Roman histories. It's and uh, and Antonius Felix is his name. Antonius Felix a Roman governor in the province of Judea. All right. um, he had previously been appointed by Emperor Claudius 
around AD 52. Right, so that actually sets the book of Acts, the timetable here, AD 52. He and his brother had originally been slaves, then freedmen bef- before becoming high officials in the government. So maybe a little bit of sympathy for Paul. And of course here the commander doesn't fail to mention that Paul is, right there in verse 27, a Roman citizen. Uh, now he reveals what he believes, the commander reveals what he believes about Paul and, and, and the reason why he was accused is that it was concerning questions of their law, right, the Jewish laws, but nothing according to Roman law deserving of death or chains. This sounds very familiar, does it not? Think of Herod's trial against Jesus. Uh, well, excuse me, well, not only Herod, but really Pontius Pilate, right? Yeah, you have a similar judgment. I find no guilt in him. Uh, where was Paul taken that night then? Yeah, Antipatris, Patris, uh, that's a military post about 30 miles from Jerusalem um, in between Samaria and Judea on the way then to uh, uh, Caesarea. And uh, what did the governor ask before, after reading the letter? When he gets to Caesarea, uh, what province are you from? In other words, whose jurisdiction are you under? And uh, so he says, he, what does he say after hearing that Paul was from Cilicia? Remember, Tarsus in Cilicia? Yeah, that he would hear from him when his accusers arrived. And he kept Paul in, interesting here, Herod's Praetorium. Um, that's a place for official business of the emperor or the personnel directly responsible to the emperor. So it's almost a hint that Paul's going to appeal to the emperor, isn't it? I think. Which ultimately will happen after Felix. Um, here's the testimony. All right. Meditation on this text. The very people who had been called to anathematize the unbelievers now curse the bearer of the good news because they do not have ears to hear. They have turned their backs upon the God of their fathers. So Paul will go to Rome to bear the testimony of Jesus to those who will hear. The Lord has used Paul's Roman citizenship to provide protection for him through the Gentiles. Though the Jews seek his death, and though they sought to crucify Jesus, they will not silence Paul's preaching. It is always this way in the church. The gospel is proclaimed and some hear while others are enraged and seek to silence the preacher. Yet the preaching cannot be silenced, and through the the church, the song goes on. Okay, Um, and as I mentioned, uh, today is also the feast day for St. Mary Magdalene. Um, Someday maybe it will be our custom to actually gather together on those feast days for divine service, Um, but it isn't the custom as of yet, all right? And so there are a set of, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, propers, that's the word, uh, appointed for the day, uh, reading from Proverbs and Psalms and uh, Acts, and then John. So we'll read the gospel appointed for this day, John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, 
where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things to her. All right. So there ends the gospel for the feast of Mary Magdalene. Oh, let's see what we have here I can share with you. This is a meditation on on Mary Magdalene by Valerius Herberger, who uh, wrote a series of meditations for um, the church to uh, help prepare pastors, actually, uh, for preaching. So we'll look at that in just a moment. Uh, My phone is misbehaving. Let's see if I can get it to behave again. All right, there we go. The ancient teachers of the church are, for the most part, of the opinion that Mary Magdalene was the sinful woman of which Luke writes in chapter 7 of his gospel. We do not want to grow gray hairs over this debate, so we will go directly to the account that has been read. How does Mary Magdalene's repentant heart please the Lord Jesus? The host, Simon, is displeased with Mary and with Christ, but the Lord Jesus shows that there is joy in heaven over Mary's conversion. The sinner's tears are the wine and delicacies of the angels. You see, first he turns to Mary just as he turned to Peter in his passion. This is a great honor. Second, he praises her tears, her kiss, and her anointing. This is with the laying down of the hair and the anointing with oil, right? And he lets it be clearly understood that with these three courses, Mary served a much more glorious meal than the host of the house himself. Of this, Christendom sings, This is the feast that is pleasing to you, O wise father. From her tears, the Lord Jesus notices a humble heart, troubled by sins committed. From her kiss, he notices her faith and trust. From her anointing, he notices the intention of her heart, that from now on she will use everything that is precious to her for the glory of Christ. Moreover, he praises the thankfulness of her heart that she showed through many signs of love. He says, her many sins are forgiven on account of which she has loved much. This is how Basil, Chrysostom, and Theophylact explain in this passage. You can see from her many agreeing signs of love that her kisses and anointing are her, quote, thanks be to God, or her tip, not because they are worth so much, but because she has nothing more. It is not Christ's intention to say that Mary merited the forgiveness of sins with her love, but rather he shows that through so many signs of love, Mary revealed her thankful heart, thankful that the Lord Jesus had graciously forgiven her so many sins and this pleases him very well. All right, a little bit of a summary on Mary. Whenever the New Testament Gospels name the women who are with Jesus, St. Mary Magdalene is listed first, John 19.25 being the exception. Perhaps because she was the first to see her risen Savior alive. 
Luke 8, 2 reports that Jesus had cured her of being possessed by seven demons. Through the centuries, she has often been identified with the repentant woman of the city who anointed Jesus' feet as he sat at table in the Pharisee's home, Luke 7. But there is no biblical basis for this identification of her with the penitent prostitute, nor is she to be identified with Mary, the sister of Martha, in Bethany. According to the Gospels, Mary Magdalene saw Jesus die, she witnessed his burial, and most important, she was the first to see him alive again after his resurrection. It is for good reason that Bernard of Clairvaux calls her, quote, the Apostle to the Apostles. Let us pray. Almighty God, your Son, Jesus Christ, restored Mary Magdalene to health and called her to be the first witness of his resurrection. Heal us from all our infirmities and call us to know you in the power of your Son's unending life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, we confess the sacrament of the altar. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelist Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Excuse me, let's scroll down. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I come to your altar at your invitation to receive the holy body and precious blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I confess to you all my sins. I am heartily sorry for them. For Jesus' sake, forgive my enemies and all who have sinned against me. I believe that you give me the forgiveness of sins and the gift of new life and salvation through the body and blood of my Savior. Through the Lord's Supper, strengthen my faith in Christ, increase my love for others, grant me faithfulness and my vocation, and give me the joyous hope and confidence of eternal life and salvation in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray on this Thursday for the church and her pastors, for all missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Today we pray in Thanksgiving with Ruth, Merlin, and David, who all celebrate their birth or baptism birthday. Also with Jesse and Lisa, who celebrate their anniversary, Tyler and Elizabeth, who rejoice in the gift of marriage. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy and Ken, our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis and Janice, and Mickey, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Compassion International. We pray in intercession for the preservation and increase of faith and for the sister congregations of our circuit. 
Pray for those grieving, especially Jim, at the death of his brother Roy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O God, whose never-failing providence orders all things, both in heaven and earth, we humbly implore you to put away from us all hurtful things, and to give us those things that are profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray the morning prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Uh, let's sing stanzas. Let's sing stanzas one through three today. Okay. 
this we thank and praise the Lord, who is my one and all adored. To God all praise and glory. Tried to do that third stanza by heart, but uh, I missed line three. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. Bless your day. I hope it uh, will be a joy to you and to others. And uh, serve the Lord with gladness, of course. Come before his presence with singing as we've just done. Um, Let's see. Anyway, we'll uh, gather again tomorrow morning and uh, have our congregation prayer again about 9 a.m. So see you then.